I don't need another, you know, boring stands for nothing person when I need something, when I need my website built, when I need marketing ideas, when I need support in whatever it is that you do, when I need coaching, when I need therapy, when I need whatever, I don't need more of the echo chamber I already have. I need someone who stands for something and I'm going to go look for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Welcome to Too Legitimate to Quit, instantly actionable small business strategies with a pop culture spin. I am your host, Annie P. Ruggles, and my guest today is the wonderful Melissa Marcellison. After spending 20 years working in corporate finance and insurance as a sales and operations leader, a human resources business partner, and an advisor or coach to the C-suite leaders, Melissa Marcellison founded Vision Leadership CG in 2021. Melissa specializes in inclusive leadership development and has a true calling and passion for enabling corporate leaders to unlock the power of diversity through inclusion. With the support of exceptional inclusive leaders, Melissa embarked on her journey of self-discovery that propelled her to living life guided by purpose and authenticity. This journey empowered her to realize and embrace her identity as a member of the LGBTQ plus community, to uncover her unique differences, and begin to fully realize her potential as a thought leader and change agent. Melissa graduated from the Ivy School of Business Executive MBA program and was recognized as class valedictorian with the winter section of 2020 and resides in Stratford, Ontario with her two teenage sons. Melissa, I am so excited to have you here on Too Legitimate to Quit today. I know that your work is so profound and so important, and I can't wait to get into it. But first, I got to ask you a question, which is, what do small business owners need to focus on this week? Small business owners need to remember that they make a difference and that they do what they do for a reason, and they make an impact in their clients' lives and everyone around them. So the days that they can't get up and don't feel like doing it, sometimes you need to remember that. Absolutely, right? It's not about us. When I was a little kid, my mom, who's a really amazing, amazing motivational speaker, um, who was always a center of attention, she still taught me this really important lesson that's like, Annie, it's not about you. When I would go into like a social situation and be like, or like I get super amped or nervous about something, she'd be like, hey, it's not about you. Stop making it about you. Be present. Be a contributor to this situation. And I see that now so much in my work with sales avoidance is people are like, well, I don't want to look this way and I don't want to feel that way. And I don't want to. It's like, well, hold on. You told me that you wake up all day, every day with the desire to help people. So why are you making it about you? Right. Our difference is bigger than us but we can impede it. So I love that. I absolutely love that. And because sometimes like let's let's just normalize the fact right off the bat that entrepreneurship is really flipping hard. Absolutely. Yeah, really flipping hard. <laughs> 
And and that's across the board for everybody, notwithstanding layers of privilege or, you know, all of the other things that we could unpack on this, but maybe we will. But I just think like, even if you are the most privileged person alive, entrepreneurship still has some really bad days. And if you aren't the most privileged person alive, then everything is even harder for you all along. And yet we're still talking like entrepreneurship or small business is the easiest path. We can, you know, work four hours a day or even four hours a week, make a billion dollars, donate all our money to charity and live on a yacht. It's like, sure, maybe we can get there, but it's going to take a lot of work. So what do you think? Why do you think that people who are so why driven still struggle so much not to get in their own way? I think just like you said, it's us. Sometimes we think, okay, is this my ego doing this? Is this my drive to be successful? Is this my, and we, the people that want to make a difference are the type of people that ask ourselves these questions. The people who don't have to ask themselves those questions are the people that are driven by their ego and by their greed and by their need to do that. The people that want to make a difference in the world, we're constantly asking ourselves this question. Why am I doing this? Is it okay if I do this? Is it okay if I take up space? Is it okay if I ask to get paid? Is it okay? But if we don't take up space, if we don't get paid, and if we don't make our circles bigger, then we're not making a difference, right? So I think that is a thing that we fight with all of the time. There's really super easy thing to remember is if I was doing this to feed my ego, I wouldn't ask myself if I was doing this to feed my ego. Thank you. I say all the time, assholes don't get imposter syndrome. Only nice people get imposter syndrome because if you're exactly to your point, if I'm saying, am I doing this right? Am I okay? Am I going to show up today? Am I blah, 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 blah? That means that you care about the person that you're serving and you don't want to hurt them. If you don't want to hurt them, fantastic. Don't hurt them. But the meanies of the world aren't sitting around going, Oh, am I being mean? No, they just know it. They just jump in and take and 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 we're not like that. It's so funny that we are the ones that carry kind of that emotional yes. weight. And we find ourselves in entrepreneurship. There's not a lot of people that find themselves in entrepreneurship because they thought it would be easy or they couldn't get a job. Right? No, it's because we <laughs> didn't fit in that box or we had something to offer where right. that, you know, that box that corporate box or that, you know, kind of typical style didn't work for us. Right. And we felt like we needed to make a difference and do things without someone going, you can't do it that way. And you can't do it that way. And you can't do it that way. But at the same time, then it makes us hard for us to bring it all the time. So it's like this. Absolutely. I think also one of the things that I'm so excited to have you here for is yes, I am unhirable. Okay. Like I've done the job thing. I've been C-level. I've whatever, all the stuff I'm unhirable. I don't want to work for anybody else. I'm annoying. I don't want to do it. Like I, if I don't want to brush my hair that day, that's my prerogative right. not to, right? But I think also that's my uh, that's my worldview as a white middle class, barely queer person. In that, you know, in a hetero marriage, like, you know, in a monogamous hetero marriage, even more so, I think a lot of people are drawn to entrepreneurship because of, like you said, they don't fit the mold of those things because of their work style or what impact they want to make. 
I can't even speak to all the people out there that have left other environments because of who they are and their inability to show up as themselves in these environments. Like I have a lot of really amazing non-binary friends who are still dead naming themselves at work because they feel like that's safer and that's their prerogative. Right. But I also have had other friends that are like, listen, my corporate environment is not a safe place for trans people. So I'm going to go off on my own. But then you still got to bring it. You got to bring the fact that you are building a community or building a platform that rises to the challenge of supporting you. Ex- right. Is, am I talking about no, my butt you're here? Absolutely right. And if you look at the statistics, especially over the last two years with everything that we've been through, you know, female entrepreneurship has been on the rise for the last 15 years, but now black owned female entrepreneurship, um, non-binary trans owned, uh, businesses are rising too. And the really sad thing is well, it's great for us, but the sad thing is that corporations uh, um, and organizations are losing all of this amazing talent because they won't listen yeah. to them, right? They won't, they'll hire them to say like, okay, no, we have diversity. But when you don't have inclusion, you have right. that person say, but I can't speak my voice at work or I have to expend a certain amount of energy. And I know I've had to do it. I've been very, very lucky. So I walk into a boardroom and unless I'm wearing my um, you know, striped chucks or like rainbow shirt, which I wear a lot of. Um, I walk into a boardroom as a cis straight white woman until I open my mouth or say something different or put someone in their place or whatever. But I've had to make that split second decision mm-hmm. on Monday morning. What did you do this weekend? Uh, do I say I was with my partner or do I say I just went with my friend, right? I have to make that decision and know when I go to speak at the next Mm. meeting, does my credibility come with me? Or does that person, is that person constantly just looking at me as this one part of my identity? But when you're in an environment where you can bring that, where you're celebrated for that, that's a whole thing you don't have to think about. And it is unbelievable the amount of energy that we spend at work trying to cover up who we are. And that means our employer isn't getting the best of us, right? They're not getting. So that's when we go out on our own and we go, okay, I'm going to do this my way. We make these huge, profound impacts on the world, but we could be making these impacts in businesses too, if they would be inclusive because everyone's charging towards diversity and everybody's forgetting that you can put all sorts of different people out of a table, but if you muzzle them, then it's still the one voice that you're going to hear. It's not inclusive. It's not at all. And it does nothing. It does nothing for your organization. You don't get those benefits of increased profits, increased shareholder value, all of those things just by hiring people. That doesn't happen. No. And so for a lot of people, you know, I, I, I've had this thought myself and, and your work and the people that you serve are, are so dear to me and you serve me as well. Right. So like we, you serve all humans, But one thing that I've heard, and I would love, love, love to get your take on this is, and I love that you brought up that it's not just about hiring, which checks the diversity box, but not the equity box or the inclusion box. Uh, One thing that I've heard, and I've also thought um, in my own work is like, I'm a one person business. I hire contractors from time to time. I try to make sure that I am hiring, not just a bunch of cis white people. Right. But beyond that, how can I create with my platform? Because I spend so much time marketing. I have a freaking podcast. I have all these other things. Do you have tips, tricks, tools 
for people who are solopreneurs or very small businesses on how to create inclusive companies and inclusive spaces, even if they're not currently hiring. Yes. What are you listening to? What are you watching? Who are you reading? What does your feed look like? I heard a tip from someone. If you go on a date and you ask them to open their TikTok and look at their For You page, this is who they are, right? So is it, you know, person that looks like them, person that looks like them, person that looks like them, or is there some diversity there? Are they having their minds exposed to different things so that you can be aware of it? Now you come from some intersectionality, whether that shows up like just by looking at you or not, um, it's still there. So you have that increased perspective, but the more you can invite in other perspectives. And I think it's even more important when we're solopreneurs because we can get into an echo chamber super easy. Oh yeah. Right. Like every month or two, I will do that test to myself and I'll scroll through and I'll go, okay, so why did it take me, you know, 20 swipes to look at someone different than me? That's not okay. I need to choose. I'm going to unfollow some people that will just keep telling me what I want to hear. And I'm going to follow some people that will give me a different perspective. Absolutely. You know, another thing, and, and I don't want, I don't want to encourage behavior that's performative, right? That's always the risk. But when you're looking at, yes, what you're consuming, no one sees that except you, but it does profoundly change your worldview, which turns stuff around. And then in the public stuff, like, I am really, really tired. Like, let's have a white person to white person powwow right now. I'm really tired of seeing the same five white bitches in everybody's stock photos. Like, let's go out and find some other stock photos. Let's find some queer people in stock photos. Let's find some body positivity in stock photos. There's this amazing person named Lindsay. And I don't know Lindsay's last name, but they have this whole body positivity photo Mm-hmm. library thing that's also super queer and I love it and I can't even tell you I posted one picture on Instagram from this collection and people went bananas and it had nothing to do with my content just because it's not those same four white blonde super skinny women holding their coffee mugs <laughs> I'm like we can't find pictures of other people holding coffee right really Right. But that's that is a way that also we're showing like if I like you said, if I look at your TikTok for you's and it's all freaking people that look exactly like you. That's a warning sign. If I go on your Instagram grid and I see a bunch of pictures of you and you happen to be white, that's fine. You're white. You're not. It's, you can't change that. Please don't change <laughs> please that. Please don't. No blackface, yeah. please. My God. But at the same point. Like if you're using stock photos and all I see are white people or fit people or young people or whatever, we're missing an opportunity here. What other opportunities do you see, Melissa, where we could make profound changes, but we just aren't aware that they're there to be made? That's a great question. I want to say something just before we go off the Instagram feed yeah. thing. Something else to be aware of is there, uh, when you talk about performative, there are unfortunately a lot of white women that would identify as feminist or inclusive or things like that, that are having these Instagram pages pop up with these amazing quotes, some great stats, some good learning. You never see their face. And this is a problem, right? We need to know who we're centering and who we're not, right? And then we need to be upfront about it. So I post pictures of myself. So if you look at mine, it's mostly a white woman because it's mostly me. It'll be like my videos and stuff like that. But I am very purposeful about what I share in my stories and making sure that I tag the person who actually created it. And I make sure that I'm sharing and centering 
voices that are different than mine and making sure that they get credit for it. So just before we kind of move off that, don't also, yes, yes, don't like whitewash or like de-whitewash your profile either and be inauthentic and like try and profit off of something that you're not because that, that is not cool. That's not okay. We have done that for hundreds of years and it's our job to stop that. Right. So I think what we're doing now, basically questioning. And again, by exposing yourself to different things will keep you questioning. Why am I making this decision? Why am I making this decision? Why am I drawn towards that contractor or to this virtual assistant or to this person to build my website and really challenge yourself and push yourself outside the box? I know another thing that I'm looking to do, I'm launching um, a platform a little bit later this month that will be like a membership and we will have... um, we will have the opportunity for people of color to join without paying, right? Like we need to find these ways to get to equity, right? We need to find these ways to help people catch up from where we have done harm. We have left people behind, um, whether it's been our individual intent or not, we have benefited from a system that has left others behind and makes it more difficult for those voices to be heard. So if I'm developing people, if I'm coaching people, I am bringing people in that maybe not paying my fee, I'm charging others. I may be even charging others more because then they can help me fix this equity thing. Right. So I think that's a big yeah, one. Because that's equity. Exactly. Right. So for you, how do you define equity versus equality? And for people who aren't familiar with DEI or this work, uh, they may have only ever heard about Mm -hmm. equality. How do you define equity and how can we create, what are some other ways, like you said, you just gave us a great example, but what are some other ways that we can create equity in small business? In small business. So another, again, just like being really proactive about who you're asking to build your platforms, um, you know, who you're making your donations to, who you're doing all of those things, making sure that it is uh, making things better and not just going like everything should be equal. I don't like if a company is giving 25% of their donations to, you know, four different things, that's, that's not equity, right? That's equality and treating everybody the same. Isn't where we're at. We, we don't deserve to be there because mm-hmm. we have not treated everyone the same for so long. I kind of have an issue with this. It's not pie thing. I don't know if you've seen the, uh, usually they talk about it when you talk about human rights. Yes. It's not pie, you know, more for someone else doesn't mean less for you, but equity is the opposite. Right. We have to be okay with a little bit less of the pie right now. Because yes. we've had so much, like we've, we've got enough, we've had enough. And yeah, it's an individual pain point for me to be the one to say, you know what, this contract is not right for me because you have a systematic race issue. I am not the person to go in and do that. Yeah, I can charge this company thousands of dollars and they will probably pay me to do it. That is not my place. My place is to pull in my contacts that have that lived experience that can actually address that issue way better than I can and that deserve to be making that money. I do not deserve to be profiting off anti-racism. That's not my role, right? So it's understanding. That's not your, that's not your No, I need to stay the heck away from it and I need to bring in the right voices to make sure the work gets done properly and the right person is paid for it. Because yeah, I can gather resources. I can put together a strategy on pretty much anything. So can I technically Mm -hmm. help that company? Probably. Could I make a difference? Yes. Could I make a ton of money? Yep. That's not my money to be made. And it's up to me to go, yeah, I have two kids. I have an 18 year old as of today. Uh, 
I have to put through university yeah. after through school. I got to pay my mortgage, all of that stuff. It's for, for me to get, do that gut check moment and go, nope, I'm going to pass on this, you know, five figure contract and make sure that one of my colleagues gets it. That should be getting it. That's equity. That's. And that's both though. There's two steps. Well, actually there's three steps there that you mentioned and all of them are super important. Number one is the awareness mm-hmm. piece. This is not my right. lane. Number two is the active, scary-ass act of passing on it. But then number three is passing the ball to someone whose lane it is, right? right? It's not enough to just go, nope, I'm walking away. This isn't right for me. You're actively, like, actionably saying, hold on. There are people in this world that are better for this job than me. Let me boost them. And I think that, will appeal to so many people because so many of the people that I talk to are terrified of leaving someone high and dry. And that's not what we're saying. We're not saying like, just leave everybody in the lurch. Don't take things that aren't in your lane. Well, yeah, don't take things that aren't in your lane. But I love having an arsenal of tools. I love having the Rolodex of the best people in the business. So when we stray beyond my lane, I know that I am bringing quality candidates to the table who will get the job done beautifully, who will treat the client fabulously, and who will solve the freaking problem. Exactly. Right? I'm not just going, nope, not me. Bye. And when we come from this place of loving what we do and really wanting to make a difference, that's actually pretty easy. You know, it's not easy when you're going, okay, I usually plan in like how many mortgage payments I have left. So it's not easy when you're staring down, like, okay, this is what I have. But when I do what I do, because I want to do it, it's easy to, to share and to like, want to give this to the place it belongs. The other thing for me, because I do work with corporations is that if they were willing to hire me to do this work and I don't give them someone else, I have not done anything good. All I've done is then they'll go hire the next easy person that's in their Rolodex that looks like them, that is familiar, whatever, right? Whereas if I can say, this is the person you should hire. And if I have that relationship and that trust, it's my job to make sure that the right person gets that that contract or that work. One of the main plagues of entrepreneurship, and we've touched on this a bit, but I really want to drill into this, um, if that's all right with you. One of the main plagues of entrepreneurial thinking is scarcity. It's just pure, like, it's not pie. Yes, I want to take less of the pie. How do we encourage people to change to thinking? It's not saying you won't get any pie. It's just saying you'll get slightly less pie. How do we get around those really deep-seated psychologically embedded evolutionary things of me, 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 me. How do we get around that? I think the first step is understanding that there is an abundance and there is more pie than you would ever need to keep you full and more than you could eat ever out there. And when you're doing these things because it's the right thing to do, because you really believe and because you want to make a difference, they come back to you. I have never sent a referral to someone who hasn't tried to send one back, right? And it was never my intention, right? But that's just how that works, right? When we come from this place of um, doing the right thing because it's the right thing and wanting to make an impact, the bigger impact we make, the less we have to worry about, you know, what's coming and that scarcity. I don't know if you've read The Go-Giver. That's one of my favorite Oh books. my God, that book is everything. 
everywhere oh, in my life. It's my favorite book. And I've read it a number of times, listened to it to an audible really fast. <laughs> we talked to it, but, um, <laughs> we talked about how we listen to everything super fast. I, I love think it. you can listen to that book in like an hour and a half on a drive at like 1.8 or what or two, <laughs> but it's fantastic. And my favorite one is, um, I'm going to forget what chapter uh, with the teacher where she's kind of explaining how you can balance this, why it's okay to have this abundance and make so much. And all these other teachers are really doing good work and love what they do. And they're making a, a difference in someone's life. But the, um, the bigger you can bring that, the more of a difference you can make, the more of an impact you have on the whole world worth versus 30 people at a time. Um, you're never going to worry about what's coming back. And as long as you're worried about more, adding more value, you're never going to have to worry about what you charge or that it'll be there. That's a mic drop moment. As long as you are consistent. What did you just say? I can't even say it. You just made my tongue tie. It's so good. I'll say it again. I always actually say you need to record because I never know what I say. Just stuff comes out. But uh, good thing it's recorded. But like as long as you're worried about how much value you can add and adding more value than you're getting back, you will never worry about you know, being able to charge or being confident in the, in what that price is or that price point or asking to get paid. As long as you feel like you are adding value, you won't worry about that. That just comes. Ugh. It wasn't, it Ugh. wasn't as nice the second time, but. <laughs> no, it was still as powerful. It was still just as good because you know what, what I hear underlying everything that we've talked about thus far is intentionality. It's intentionality and awareness. It's, I am aware that I am not alone in this universe. I am aware that not everyone in this universe has the same exact feelings, beliefs, structures, desires, abilities that I have. And I'm also intentional about how I show up accordingly in that world. And I think that that is just absolutely stunningly gorgeous. Um, I'm going to ask you a really intense okay. question and then we're going to do have okay. some fun. Once upon a time, I was speaking at a romance writers conference, uh, in Atlanta with one of my absolute best friends and great loves of my life, who is a romance writer. We went down there together and romance we, we talked a little bit before in the Bridgerton episode, but romance is always kind of going through this reckoning of like, stop calling First Nations people savages in your books. And like, why is everything so weirdly rapey and just stop? Like, it's all of these different things. But um, when we went, I was speaking about how to show up on social media and literally right before the panel that I was supposed to speak on, I listened to the panel before and they told people, you are an author. Um, and this was in the middle of the previous administration. So down here in America, so they're like, you're an author. People want to hear about your books from you. Nobody wants to hear about your politics. Nobody wants to hear about your religion. And I got really, really upset. And I kind of rewrote my entire speech in those final moments. And I had another guy on the panel with me and I said to him, Hey, kind of feel like I need to bomb that last panel. How do you feel? And he's like, oh my God, thank you. Yes, we need to blow that out of the water. And so we basically sat down and we were like, listen, if you are hiding your politics, especially with what you consider politics is just human rights issues. Um, I consider that to be an unbelievable misuse of privilege. So is there a balance point 
for people who don't want their whole thread to be like super Black Lives Matter, super queer, super everything, you know, black out your picture, add the profile rings, do all that performative crap. Is there a balance between that and also being like, this is my work profile and therefore I will never comment on anything, even if something happens down the street from where I live to someone I love. How do we, how do we navigate that? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I'm so glad you asked this because I had this moment last week. I was like, oh, do I do this? I'm still building, right? I, I'm not in the place where I want someone to look at my profile and go, they're not for me. However, if I want to be for everyone, I'm for no one. Yeah. And I want to work with the people who want to make a difference and who want to change the world. And they don't have to believe everything I believe, but human rights are table stakes. Yes. Please. Yes. Like, there are certain yes. things that yeah. are non-negotiable for me. And even if I have a conversation on an intake and it's like, we are have very different beliefs and it's not an open conversation with like a, an intelligent, you know, back and forth debate, things like that. I'm out. Like, I don't need to, I need to figure out a different way to pay my bills next month because that's not where I need to be. That's not why they're not going to change. Right. But the other thing, again, as entrepreneurs, especially you want to be niche, you want to be who you want to be for, because if you try and talk to everyone, no one is listening. Mm -hmm. So I think when you said, when do I know when to do it? When do not, if it feels performative, don't do it. If it feels a little scary, do it. So I had this moment, right? Feels a little like, oh, do it. So I had this moment last week because I saw a tweet from Uber about Uber and Lyft covering the charges for any drivers in Texas that end up being charged with this whole crazy vigilante mess. And I was like, okay, I really want to post this because I've believed for a really long time. And I actually... um, shared with my class in our, in our convocation speech that I truly believe it is strong, purpose-driven, inclusive corporate leadership that will change the world. Mm-hmm. Government. Oh my gosh, let's face it. They can't, they, they're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. Um, churches aren't helping us right now other than driving us further apart, but everybody has to show up at work at least yeah. 40 hours a week. And that's how they decide how they're going to behave. Right. Yeah. And so it is strong corporate leaders willing to take the short-term pain because it's the right thing that will change the world. So I was looking at this going, I really want to post this and reaffirm that like, this is the thing that will change the world. Uber and Lyft saying, yeah, go do the right thing. And we got your back and we will pay for it. And if we take heat, you know, if, you know, we end up going out of business in some States, we're okay with that. That's what's going to change the world. And I was like, "Mm, do I want, if no one's been on my page before, and that's the first thing they see, what will happen? And then I was like, dumb, dumb. You're asking people to do this. You are asking leaders to do this. You are a leader. Go do this. This feels so important. And so right. We are asking people to show up. We have to show up. I completely agree. And it does make a really profound difference. You brought up Uber and Lyft. I haven't taken an Uber since they decided to break the um, taxi embargo at airports during Trump's Muslim ban. I haven't right. taken a Lyft since I have taken, or sorry, an Uber since I have taken many lifts because Lyft yep. said to their drivers, we will compensate you if you decide not to take airport fares. And I was like, exactly. that's what I want. You take the hit to do the right thing. All right. right. Total random curveball <laughs> here. Listeners are like, yeah, yeah. We know what the curveball is, Annie. We read the title of the damn episode. <laughs> 
Melissa, my dear, what on earth does any of this have to do with Anna Kendrick singing in a shower? And by that, I mean pitch perfect. So <laughs> you hit on a soft spot for me because she was uh, this. My son introduced me to these movies yeah. uh, in 2017. And um, it was right at the time that I was getting you know, re- taking control back of my life. Um, long story to go there, but I was just kind of trying to figure my stuff out. And I was deciding that this is the college experience I would have had. And I will say that the movies did have something to do with me finally figuring out who I was supposed to be with and who I was not supposed to be with. So that's a separate soft spot. <laughs> yes, I found amazing. my gayness by watching Pitch Perfect, but that's a different soft spot. But what does that have to do with inclusion? Okay, so you have this crazy group of misfits, mm-hmm. horrible performers, can't get their crap together to save their lives. And you've got this leader who is a control freak and who is, you know, blonde hair, tall, skinny, like the one that she thinks everybody else should be like and wants to only do things her way. And when they do that, they fail. And then she says, no, we have to do it more way, my way. And then they fail again. And then she says, we have to do it more my way. And then they fail again and they are a mess (laughs) and they fall apart. And then they go, wait, if we all decide to embrace our differences and take advantage of our differences and let Chloe sing her ridiculous baseball and let (laughs) Lily give her beatbox and let everybody do their thing, we could be amazing. We could be exceptional if we just started not trying to be like each other or be like the thing we think we should be. So this is why Anna makes them, Becca makes them um, be inclusive. Becca makes them recognize each other for what they're amazing at. Whereas Aubrey's always trying to get them to fit in a box. And when are they successful? They're successful when they all get to do their thing. They all shine. They all look different. Even their uniforms are different, right? So the bigger girls have like cap sleeves and the little girls get to show their midriff if they want to. And they like, they're all get to express themselves the way that feels authentic and true to them. And then they go out and kick butt. Yes. (laughs) And I love, like, I love that's, that is so, that, that example is so specifically pitch perfect, but there's always this idea of like the ragtag motley crew that comes together to make something gorgeous it's normally in like sports movies right so like the sandlot or major league or (laughs) any of those things where it's like well we're not the team that we wanted but we are the team we've got and then it turns out that by doing exactly what they said embracing everyone's different skill sets you don't make a melting pot you make a casserole that is really cool and inviting and exciting and rich and what people want. And so I think that that's so fabulous, right? To talk about how you're going to pull out the strengths of all these different people, the style, the comfort, the preferences, the identity of all of these different people. And those of us who are building communities, we can be doing that too. How are we homogenizing behavior? right? How are we standardizing things that shouldn't necessarily be standard instead of embracing what makes each of us, us? Exactly. And when you look at whether it be entrepreneurs building their teams or their environments or their surroundings or whether companies building their teams, they're hiring all these people that look different and then asking them to act the same. Like it's ridiculous. It's Ah! so silly. Ah! bring in all these people because they don't look like you and then ask them to act and think like you. Like, 
duh, it doesn't work, right? So all of these girls made the team because they could sing. And then they were all asked to sing exactly the same. Like, just stupid. It doesn't work, right? But then when you can actually let people be who they are, let them thrive, let them grow, let them be proud of who they are, let them lean into their gifts. Oh my goodness, like you can do anything. And that's for us individually too. We all do some form of blending to try to keep ourselves safe from rejection. But when we blend too much, we fade. Yep. It's exactly what we're talking about with the social media. Like, what do I and don't I post? You don't post any of that. You don't matter. Like, it doesn't, like, then you just look like everybody else. And who the heck cares? I don't need another, you know, boring stands for nothing person when I need something, when I need my website built, when I need marketing ideas, when I need support in whatever it is that you do, when I need coaching, when I need therapy, when I need whatever. I don't need more of the echo chamber I already have. I need someone who stands for something and I'm going to go look for that. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's all go and look for that. In fact, that might turn into this week's homework. We'll see in a couple of seconds here, but all right. So I have another question for you and I already know the answer, but it's okay. I'll just suspend. Just like, I'll just, no one needs to know. I already know the answer. (laughs) I brought up the very like first scene of Pitch Perfect 1 because now there's like Pitch Perfect 52, uh, (laughs) which is Her Royal Highness Anna Kendrick uh, singing in the shower. Now I know you have a personal anthem song. I do. So Melissa, if I come upon you and totally invade your personal space in a college dorm shower, what song are you probably singing? I'm definitely going to be singing machine by Imagine Dragons. And you will see me with these on before any keynote, any workshop, any whatever. And it will be, you will hear it because it will be so loud. Tell me why. So machine by Imagine Dragons, the anthem goes, I'm not scared of the beast in the belly. Fill my cup with endless ambition. I'm going to paint this town with my very own vision. So I am not afraid that I have something to offer. And heck yes, I am going to bring it as often as I can. So that will be like blaring. Paint this town with my very own vision. Melissa, I am sure that so many people that are listening right now would love to get in touch with you so that you can help them do exactly that. Paint this town with their very own vision, whether it's a town, whether it's Instagram, whether it's the whole world, whether it's a corporation. What is the best way for our listeners to start a conversation with you? So I am super easy to find because I happen to be the one and only Melissa Marcellison that I know of in the world. I check on Google every once in a while. Yes, it's a very original last name. There's only a few of us left. So um, you can find me, Melissa Marcellison, on Instagram, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Um, And my corporate facing website is visionleadership.ca. And then my more entrepreneurial um, uh, facing website is just melissamarcellison.com. And that's exactly what I do. I create ambitious vision and I help you find yours. I can help you uncover your ambitious vision and share it with the world. Oh, oh, I freaking love it. Melissa, it has been an honor to have you on the show here today. Thank you so much for the work you do. And thank you for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me. It's been so great. I feel like I know you already from listening to the podcast. And now I feel like Yay. we're like longtime friends. This is such an well, honor. We thank are you. now. You heard it out there, <laughs> listeners. Melissa and I, hard, fast friends. It's happening. <laughs> Everybody else, I will be back in just a second with your homework and my final thoughts for this week. Well, 
Hey there, listeners. To be honest, I really struggled with today's homework. Now, I tell people what to do day in and day out, and I flippin' love it. I boss folks around with confidence because in those situations, I know that I've walked the path they trod now. I've been there. But here's the kicker. When it comes to 93% of diversity and inclusion situations, I simply have not been there. I can't imagine the kind of discrimination, limitation, or fear many of you deal with on a daily basis. So giving homework this week just doesn't feel quite right. So instead, this week, I'd love to ask you for a favor. Go take up space. Get on your soapbox. Stand up for something or someone, especially stand up for yourself. Bust a myth. Post a freaking selfie. Turn your camera on. Go on Facebook freaking live. You don't have to get loud, just louder. You don't have to be pushy, just bolder. And as your bravery and volume increase simultaneously, pay close attention to who is still lurking in the shadows probably shadows not of their own making. Who is unseen? And how can you help them? How can you coax them out with your own brilliant beacon? Hey, thanks for listening. Too Legitimate to Quit is brought to you by the Non-Sleasy Sales Academy and me, your host, Annie P. Ruggles. Listen, we talk a lot about marketing on this show, and that's because I fully, earnestly believe that every dime and every moment we spend marketing is totally worth it unless we turn around and sabotage ourselves at the finish by refusing to sell and sell beautifully. Why? A lot of us have a misconception of what selling actually requires of us or who it needs us to be. Please give me the opportunity to help change your mind at www.nonsleazy.com. That's N-O-N-S-L-E-A-Z-Y.com. Big shout out to the fabulous dudes who help make this show what it is. My producer and editor, Andrew Sims of Hypable Impact. My composer, Riley Herbastio. And my show artist, Francois Vigneault. They're all fabulous and I'd be glad to introduce you. Until next week, just do your best. And remember, you're too legitimate to quit.